we uh, started a few weeks ago, week number one, we started uh, looking at the book of Ezra, uh, the return of the Jewish nation uh, after their uh, captivity uh, to, uh, to Judah and to Jerusalem. And, uh, and we saw in that first week that, that God loves us in the middle of our trial. God loves us in the middle of our trial, the middle of our sin. God freely invites us to come to him as he invited the people of Judah to come back to Jerusalem from their captivity. And then uh, this being a comeback for them and a possible then comeback as an application in our own lives, a comeback to us. Uh, for, for us to be able to take that opportunity to come back to God, uh, whatever trial we may, going, we may, go, may be going through, whatever sin may, we may be in the middle of, but we can come back to God, uh, and that's what we saw in week one. The second week, we took, took a look at uh, the idea that it takes work to restore what has been broken. It takes work. Cyrus gave back all of these, uh, these treasured vessels uh, that were taken from the temple, uh, from God's house, uh, and, and they were given back so that they were able, able to use those and for them to be there for worship. Uh, and the application for us was to, to return the vessels of our own lives uh, back to their rightful place, the vessel of prayer and the vessel of church attendance, the vessel of purity, the rest, vessel of personal evangelism, the vessel of fellowship. And so we saw uh, these different things on the first two weeks. Tonight, uh, we're talking about uh, this third part, a return, again, a return, but a return together. Uh, and the text is Ezra chapter 3 and verse 1, and uh, we'll, we'll read that, and then we'll pray, and then we'll jump in tonight. The Ezra chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this, And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the, in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man. To Jerusalem. All right, there's a couple of guys that I asked, and, and there may be more, I don't know. There are a couple of guys that I, I, I talked to before the service. They're going to come up, just kind of get themselves ready. Go ahead, come on up, guys, uh, at the front uh, here on the platform. I'm going I'm to talk about these guys in just a second. Uh, but we've talked about a lot of things the last number of weeks. We, we, we know what we have to do. We're ready for the comeback. Uh, we've talked about that. We know what the vessels are that we need to, be, uh, we need to restore in our own lives, and now it's time to do it. Uh, chapter two tells us of everyone who's in, right? We're, we're in chapter three now, but we could go back to chapter two. Uh, I'll just read that first verse in chapter two. It says this, it says, now these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those which had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon had carried away unto Babylon and came again unto Jerusalem and to Judah and everyone unto his city. And so we see these, the, these names that are now listed, and we hear of all of these different groups of families, all the different parts of the remnant that are now coming back. And it's exciting to see this take place. And, and I wonder if you've ever been to an event. Uh, I have several times as, as a youth leader in the past where you go to an event, and, uh, and, and maybe it's a conference or a camp or something like that, but there's several different churches that are represented, and, and we see these, all these different names represented in chapter 2, and it's just a recognition of who's here, who's in, who's ready to go. And so we see chapter 2 is that recognition, that, that maybe that honoring, uh, that representation of Who's ready to come back? Where's, who is the remnant? And so I asked these guys to come up. They're ready to go. It's going to be exciting. And so we're going to just give representation here of the group that is represented by each of these five guys. Okay? Here we go. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, but it's going to be exciting. Okay? Uh, 
I'll, I'll just start off, and, and Pastor, you're, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have to do this crazy thing. I didn't talk to Pastor about this, but I'll just start with Pastor. Pastor's posse is here. Okay, we're, we're doing, we're, I'm alliterating, okay? Okay, Pastor Pa, it's here. Okay, Samuel's squad, are you here? Okay. Uh, Henry, Henry's horde, right in the middle. Henry's horde is here. All right. <laughs> All right. Let me see here. Uh, Justin's jumble. By the way, J- jumble. It was really hard to come up with a little re- alliteration for a group of people with a J. Okay. Justin's jumble. Woo! There we go. Uh, Alex's aggregate. <laughs> Tyler's troop. Ready and accounted for. Boom. Did I get? You? I got everybody. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have a couple of these guys come back up in, in just a little bit, but it's just neat to see. It's, you know, you want to represent yourself, okay? That's what chapter 2 is all about. Hey, who's coming back? Who, where's the remnant? These, this is the remnant. Okay, we're, going, we're not going to go through all of the names uh, in the sermon tonight, uh, but just to represent them, to, to see them and to see who they are, to get your name written in the Word of God, it must, be a, uh, it must have been a great thing. Okay, guys, you can take a seat, and uh, a couple of you guys are coming back up in here in, in just a moment. So we see that there's representation. Uh, we talk, we're talking about this return, but not just the return uh, as individuals, but a return together. We see these different groups that are coming back, but they're coming back together. Uh, over the last several, several weeks, we've been, we've been talking and, and preparing us as individuals. Uh, but now we see as Judah comes back and becomes organized, we must become organized as well. The people gathered themselves together as one man as our chapter three and verse one says. Um, and so we could talk about even individuals in our church family. And I just wrote a couple of individuals names down. Uh, Ken Taylor, he was up here leading music tonight. Great job. And, and he, he was here and we've got other individuals, James Grant, Jamie Rice, JB Neal. We could name some ladies, Ashley Vickers, Ann Simpson, uh, Hannah Collin, Tony. We could just name individuals, but you think about these people, these people, uh, uh, uh represent a group behind them. There's a group behind us. Either it's a family or it's a group of friends, but we come here together uh, and we're here together as a group. And so we need to see uh, that we need to worship together as a group and we need to organize ourselves as a church body. Uh, Each of these represent uh, a group. And so tonight the focus is what we are doing together for God. The people, the Bible says that the people gather themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. So tonight we're going to talk about attributes that are important to the individual, but attributes that are important to the individual in a group setting, in a group setting. So point number one, we're going to jump into point number one. It is the unity. We find the idea of unity in, the, in our text verse for this evening. Chapter three, verse one. We've mentioned it already. I'll read it again. And when the seventh month was come and the children of Israel were in the cities the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. There was not a wrangler that was working on getting them all together uh, to, to, to go back up to Jerusalem there. Uh, they gathered themselves, the Bible says, as one man, the Bible says, to Jerusalem. Uh, they, they got the call and they went. We do see in Haggai, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, and, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear 
the Lord. Then we see two verses later in, chapter, in Haggai 1.14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, the governor of Judah, uh, and, the, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they, and they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. In a great Psalm 133, David says in, in verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is, it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's a great thing when we come together as a body of believers and we're together in unity, in unity. School teachers, I know there's a couple of school teachers in here. School teachers understand, especially when we were to get all together in person for day after day after day. Uh, I was a school teacher. My wife used to be a school teacher. There's the school teacher knows what it is to be a wrangler. Okay, there's there's some days of the year that are that are better than others. And I use the word better right Uh, after vacation, the day before vacation, you know, on a daily basis, maybe right after lunchtime, uh, right before or or after recess. uh, There's there's an amount of wrangling that needs to take place. Uh, And and, and sometimes I wrote this down. I said, have you ever heard the phrase? It's like herding cats. Teachers know that phrase. It's like herding cats. I, I just I was, the other day I was just on Google and I just typed in it's like herding cats, and I found the funniest thing, and you've got to see it. I thought you know it's a little little I mean it's not the most mature thing in the world and it's just a, a short clip, but but I just thought you know they've got to see that this is going to help you in your life. Okay, all right all right guys. can hurt cattle, holding together 10,000 half-wild short hairs, well, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning, right here, and if you look at his face, it's just ripped to shreds, you know? I couldn't not show it to you. I just couldn't. I thought I thought about, you know, maybe I, I need to be mature. Maybe I just need to not do that. But I thought, you know, that's too good to not show. So it was hilarious. If you want, I can individually afterward, I'll, I'll give you the link and you can look, watch watch the whole thing. It's great. It's, it's just a commercial, uh, but it's a funny commercial. Um, maybe you like cats. Maybe you don't like cats. That commercial is good for everybody, whether you like or don't like. Uh, I think. Anyway, the students, sometimes they do not have a unity about them. It takes a little while to get them on the same page. The cats, uh, if there was such a thing as a herd of cats, I don't know that there would ever be unity ever in, 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 a, in a herd of cats ever. Um, but uh, coming back to a, a, a more serious matter, I, I went to a church, my wife and I, uh, a, a while ago. Uh, and it's a church we're familiar with, uh, not in California, not in Virginia, uh, but a church that, that we knew of. And uh, we went to a Sunday night service there. We talked to a lot of different people, people that we love and, and excited to, uh, to hear, hear from and people before service and after service, talked to, the, to the, some of the staff. Um, but there was someone new there, that, someone that didn't know us, someone we didn't know. Um, and they began to share with us their disagreement with the way things had been going at the church. Um, and, and some disagreements with, with actual people in the church uh, that they, you know, disagreements that they had, uh, people that they had disagreements with. My wife and I, we, we drove away from that church service that Sunday night, 
And we were just excited about being there. We, we were so glad to hear from the pastor that we loved uh, and, and the, the word of God preached. And we were so glad to hear from, uh, from people that we knew that were at the church and just updates on their lives and things like that. But, you know, it was, it was a hard thing to, to see that one that was just not unified with the rest of the body. Um, and, it was, it was a hard, and, and it was just kind of out of the blue and we just didn't even know how to take it. Um, but that's not what we want. We don't want that here. We know that Paul, he sent a letter to the church at Philippi. Uh, and, and, and you've heard this verse before. He sent this to Christ, Christians there in Philippi in, in Philippians 1.27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We want to be that. We want to, we want to represent that verse. That, we want that verse to be Community Baptist Church. Uh, we see there's a correlation between our text in Ezra chapter 3 and then also Nehemiah chapter 8 where it says in verse 1 it says this, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man, this is Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1, into the street that was before the water gate. And they spoke unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. So cool. They didn't just just come together. They weren't just like, yeah, let's go build something. Uh, There was nobody that was coming that was on a, a power trip. There was no power grab taking place there. They all gathered themselves together. And what does it say? Uh, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. They got together and then they said, let's hear from God. Let's read the word of God. Let's see what God has for us. And, and, and so we see that we come back together. We had this idea of unity, but it's unity under the leadership of God in our lives, individually and corporately. Um, so we see that there's a need here for us to be unified at CBC. Uh, we, we have the idea in Galatians 6.2, it says, bear ye one another's burdens. There's not the idea of, hey, I'm, I'm going to take power in this area of ministry. It's bear ye one another's burdens. That's what we want to do here at CBC. Uh, we cannot do that if we are divided. I'm going to ask those three guys to come back up. I don't know if you all have done this before in your lives. I practiced with them earlier tonight. And um, they assure me that they're not going to hurt me, okay? But if we're unified, then there's a matter of trust that has to take place, okay? So let's set up so that, uh, so that I am like this. <laughs> this is not a good start. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Okay. I'm going to do the classic trust fall. Anybody? Has anybody ever done a trust fall before? All right. Who has done the catching? Who has done the catching? Okay. Who has done the falling? Okay. I'm heavier than all three of these guys. Dropping. dropping. <laughs> uh, no dropping. Okay. So I'm going to, I practiced with them earlier. The one time, the first time was great. The second time was a little scarier. This is the third time. You ready? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. Don't, no, not too low. Not too low. Okay. Here we go. All right. I'm trusting them. There, this is, if it doesn't work, that's not good for my sermon. All right. Good job. Thank you. You guys can take a seat. So in unity, there's the matter of trust. Okay. I had to trust those guys if I was going to do that thing. 
if you've been the one that has fallen, it's scary every single time. Because you, you go up on your heels and you just gotta trust whatever's gonna happen behind you to catch you. Okay? So, we see this idea of unity. They gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. Then the second point tonight is this, the consistency. The consistency. Uh, spiritual growth requires a consistency of spiritual intake. Let's take a look at our text. Chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, Then stood up Joshua, son of Josedek, and his brethren the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, uh, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Verse 3. And they set the altar upon, the, on, upon his bases, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries, and they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord. Even burnt offerings morning and evening. We see the consistency morning and evening. Verse 4 says this. They kept also the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the, not weekly, monthly, you know, every once in a while. It says, offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the custom as the duty of every day required. So we see the recently revived Jewish nation knew that they must commune with God every day. And that a rightness with man would follow a rightness with God. God comes first in our lives and then man. The altar of God is built uh, and burnt offerings resume every morning, every evening, daily as the duty of, uh, of every day required. I want to talk to you about um, a river. It's the Niagara River. Talking about this idea of consistency. Uh, the Niagara River, river has a lot of water that, that, that pushes through it uh, every second, every minute, every day. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a 36-mile-long river. It's from Lake Erie to Lake Ontario. Uh, there's a consistency in that water. There's a consistency in that water. The Niagara River has an average long-term flow volume, which, I don't know, techie kind of stuff. But listen to this. It's, it's a lot, okay? It's an average long-term flow volume of 212,000 cubic feet of water per second. Per second. Uh, here's... I'm going to give you a, vi a quick video, okay? And, and it's something that we did a couple of years ago. But I'm going to give you the Niagara Falls uh, as represented from the top of the falls, okay? And then right underneath part of the falls, and you'll see that. Uh, and then after the falls, and you'll see just after the falls, and, and, and you're down uh, kind of, uh, you know, just below the falls. And then after that... Uh, down river from the falls and uh, what I want you to notice it's a fun video but what I want you to, no to, to notice is the consistency of the water that is rushing down this river okay we see uh, this this river that is constantly and consistently rushing through from from uh, Lake Erie to Lake Ontario okay let's take a look at this one guys Goat Island, right above the falls. Okay, now this next clip here is just below the falls, and it's uh, actually right, right underneath the American side. And so you see you're looking at uh, where we are right next to the falls, and, and in a second you'll see me underneath the falls. There's one little spot where you can get underneath it. Okay, and then the next one here is this is just below the falls, and you're taking a look at all of this water continually rushing. 
I got a little nervous that Made of the Mist was going to go right into it. I did. <laughs> and then this is uh, downriver from the falls. If you've never done this one before, this is kind of a neat thing. Yeah, the audio was not great. I mean, it was a fun video, it was, and, and it was fun to do those things. But um, there's a consistency about that water. I'll just tell you, that last thing, if you've, if you've been to Niagara and you've never done the jet boat, uh, what's it called, Whirlpool, Whirlpool Jet Boat Tour, sorry, it's a commercial, but um, it's awesome. Uh, they take you, uh, Niagara River goes over the falls and then down, and then it makes a right-hand turn, uh, and right at that right-hand turn, there's a whirlpool, and it's, I don't, know, I, I don't know the statistics on it, but a super strong whirlpool. Uh, above the whirlpool, from the falls to the whirlpool, is class six rapids. You're not allowed to go on those, okay? Just below the whirlpool uh, is, uh, is more rapids. They're class five, okay, which would be very difficult for an am amateur or even, you know, somebody that had been doing it for a little while. But what they do is they take this jet boat. It's 1,500 horsepower in this thing. And that jets can point any direction. They can move the boat sideways, you know, forwards, backwards, whatever. But they take you up these class five rapids, which is super cool. And, it, and the water is just rushing over top of you. And, uh, and, and that's my commercial. It's super fun. But anyway, back to the idea. You see the consistency of the water. It's, it's not stopping except for one time. Y'all know about this? Anybody? Some of you? My daughter uh, was studying this in, her, in, in one of her classes recently. But March 29th, 1848, the winds in Lake Erie caused ice to jam the mouth, the mouth of the Niagara River. People, walk, people woke up early that morning, not because of a loud bang or something that, that was loud and, and they just kind of like woke up and like, whoa, what is going on? It's loud. What they woke up to and the reason they woke up is because all of a sudden, there wasn't 212,000 cubic uh, uh, feet of water per second rushing down the Niagara River. It was silent. And they, and they went outside and, and they started walking toward uh, the Niagara River and the, and the falls and trying to see what in the world is going on. People were scared. Um, and they didn't, they, they didn't know what, what it was that was happening. Uh, but back there in 18, March 29, 1848, they showed up at the river and it was trickling down and eventually was dry there were there people were taking horses out on the, the riverbed and and they were finding things uh, uh things from uh the war of 1812 they found old muskets and bayonets tomahawks and different things like that but the river had completely stopped and it was because of this uh this ice that had just built up uh, at the mouth of the river from lake uh from lake erie It lasted like 30 to 40 hours. Okay, the winds changed. It warmed up a little bit, and the, and the water broke through the ice, and it began to flow again. Uh, but we saw that we see that this ice was a barrier. It was a hindrance, and it's a it's a clean illustration to our own lives, right? We think of this idea of consistency, this idea of spiritual consistency in our own lives, and and, and ask ourselves what kind of ice barriers do we have in our own spiritual walk? We should have a consistency in our spiritual walk. 
a consistency with God. And just like the river, uh, you know, with the ice, is there something in your own life, in my own life, uh, that is an ice barrier that is blocking the flow of what should be taking place in our Christian walk? What is the level of consistency in your life? The people in Jerusalem, they were rebooting. They were just rebooting their, their walk with God again, but they were full force ahead. We see that verse 5 adds to this consistency. Look at verse 5. It says, And afterward offered the continual burnt offering, both of the new moons and of all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated, and everyone that willingly offered a freewill offering to the Lord. There was an idea of adding righteousness upon righteousness. Uh, they knew that there was a problem in their captivity. And they were set on fixing it, you know, and when we realize that there is something wrong in our lives, that should be the time that we should have the same realization of, hey, let's try and get it fixed. Let's try and fix the problem. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago, you know, my wife and I got married uh, and, uh, you know, we started doing things as a married couple and and trying to do things for God the right way. And one of those things was tithing. And and uh, so, you know, we were doing that. We thought we, we felt good about ourselves. And and then two, two or three months in, I, I think I shared with, it, with you this before, but I, I realized that we were tithing on our net instead of our gross. And, and I realized, you know what, we should not we should not give priority to the to, to, to our government, <laughs> uh, more so than we give priority to our God. And so we, we quickly decided, hey, we need to fix the problem. We need to add righteousness to really what wasn't righteousness, but uh, to what we were trying to do in a right way. And so we, we figured out that we needed to fix this problem, problem to tithe off the gross. And the important thing here is to be consistent with God. Okay, we, we figured out we were wrong and we got it right. Okay, that's that's a matter of of getting back on track of keeping your life consistent with God. We need to add righteousness upon righteousness and remember that a rightness with people will follow a rightness with God. We bring that to church attendance. It's an easy correlation there, right? We need to attend church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, other times uh, when there's things going on. Uh, We need it because spiritual growth requires a consistency of spiritual intake. When there's inconsistent spiritual intake, there are many times an inconsistent spiritual walk. When the cars roll low on gas, uh, maybe some of you in here have sputtered to a stop because you've, ran, you've run out of gas. Hey, the fuel injectors inside the car, they're inconsistent in providing that, that, uh, that fuel that is necessary to keep the car going. And so we see again that this spiritual growth requires a consistency of spiritual intake. Read the word. Go to church. Listen to the preaching. Serve God. We see this idea of consistency. So we've seen unity. We've seen consistency. And then the last point uh, this evening is the idea of patience. The patience. Judah's back. Okay. It's unclear the length of time uh, that it was from when they arrived back in their own cities to when they uh, gathered together in Jerusalem. Uh, and again, there was that rebuke uh, by God, by, uh, by the prophet Haggai, uh, to kind of light a fire under the people and say, hey, let's come up out of your cities. Let's come together. Uh, but the good thing here is that the people obeyed right away and they feared the Lord. Uh, and now in Jerusalem, they're ready to build. They're ready to be faithful. They're present and they're patient. They're patient. Ezra 3, 6 says this. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. There was a lot that had to go into rebuilding the temple. There was a lot that went into rebuilding. Solomon, he took seven years to build the temple. And we see that in in 1 Kings chapter 6. 
Uh, it says it right there that he took seven years to build the temple. Back one chapter, 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 13. Listen to this. This is interesting. And King Solomon raised the levy out of all Israel, and the levy was 30,000 men. 30,000 men is what he, he got to uh, let's erect this temple. Let's make this thing happen. You all remember how many people came back and, and were in the remnant? It was 50,000. So we have a total of 50,000 men in the remnant. And, 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 and King Solomon, he took uh, 30,000 out of probably what was a, 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 a better uh, section of, of men. Okay? Maybe more skilled, uh, maybe more qualified, maybe stronger. And so we, so we see that he took seven years. Verse 14 in, in 1 Kings 5, uh, and he sent them to Lebanon. This is Solomon. At 10,000 a month by courses. A month they were in Lebanon and two months at home. And Adoniram was over the levy. And Solomon had three score and 10,000 that bear burdens. And four score thousand hewers in the mountains. Besides the chief of Solomon's offers, which were over the work, 3,300 which ruled over the people that wrought in the work. And the king commanded, and they brought the great stones, costly stones and huge stones, to lay the foundation of that house, of the house. And Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders did hew them, and did the, and the stone squarers. So they prepared timber and stones to build the house. Solomon had a workforce. He had a workforce. Uh, we know that just to get the trees, uh, we take a look at verse 7. I, Flipped ahead a few pages. Verse 7 says, They gave money also unto the Masons. This is back in chapter 3 of Ezra. They gave money un, also unto the Masons uh, and, to carry, uh, and to carpenters and meat and drink and oil unto them of uh, Zidon and to them of Tyre to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the Sea of Joppa according to the grant that they had uh, of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Um, not the easiest job in the world. You think uh, of, of taking those trees from Lebanon out to the ocean, bringing them down to Joppa, bringing them back up on land to Jerusalem. And, and that was just part of it. Okay? They had all these different parts of, of what was going on. And you think of this idea, well, why did they go all the way to Lebanon to get some trees? Well, I thought about this a little while, and I had a, a correlation in, in my own life. And I've got a picture the guys are going to show. Go ahead, next, next slide. Okay, this is a Christmas tree farm in California. Not the greatest picture in the world, but... Uh, you take a look at those Christmas trees. This is Southern California. Um, and those are rough Christmas trees, I'll just say it. Okay? I don't know that I would want to use one of those. Okay? Some people do, and that's a wonderful thing in Southern California. But I'm used to the Northeast. I'm used to this area right here and, and north of here. I'm used to seeing some nicer. What's, what's the next slide look like, guys? Okay. This is what. This is the Christmas tree farm that we used to go to every year in, in Southern California. On, on the left side is the actual uh, farm. You can walk out and you, you know, with your wagon and a saw and cut, cut a tree down. If you look real close, there's not even grass on the ground. There's, there's, a, there's a, a line. It's a water line because nothing grows in Southern California unless it's got a water line on it. <laughs> okay? Um, so it's got the water line. And you see the trees there. And then this picture on the right side is the same Christmas tree farm. But what they do is they ship in a whole bunch of trees from Oregon and then also sell the cut trees. I'm going for the cut trees. Um, I love the experience. We've done it before of cutting our own tree down. It's a wonderful thing. But I'm going with the tree from Oregon. Okay. Um, 
And, and, and I think that was the idea here. Those, the, the cedars from Lebanon, they were great trees for building. They were used to build ships, uh, and, 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 and Solomon used it to build the first temple. That's what they're doing here again. We see that in verse 7. And so there, were, there was these things that were taking place, but all of the while there was a level of patience that needed to, to happen. Uh, it took the remnant over twice as long to rebuild the temple. We're not going to use the next slide, guys, so you can go back to... Um, the, the point, there you go. Uh, it took the remnant twice as long to rebuild the temple. It was not quite as grandiose as Solomon's temple. But they stayed faithful to the task through hardship, again, possible lack of skill, lack of trained labor, enemies thwarting their efforts. We'll talk about that again uh, in, in an upcoming uh, sermon. Uh, but we, we see that a re- return to God requires patience. We joke that patience is one of the hardest things to pray for. Because what happens when you pray for patience? You get something that you need to be patient in, in, in or patient for. The Israelites, they were in captivity for 70 years. You think that you might forget some things after 70 years. Okay? They came back, they, they came back to worship God. They came back to put their lives back together again. They came back to build the temple once again. There was this level of patience that they needed because uh, maybe they weren't uh, as capable as, as what was there 70 years before. Uh, there, was, there were several different factors, but this level of patience was required. You come back to God in your own life. You are with Him. You are on fire. You maybe lose some things, and, and you bring it, you're bringing back those vessels. Okay, We talked about that last time. Uh, you're bringing back those, those, those vessels, those things. There's a level of patience that is required to come back to God. When you're away from God and then come back, it's not time to put limits on God for certain blessings that you, should, you think should be, should be happening in your life. Okay? I had a teenager in, 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 in a youth group years and years ago, and uh, he was struggling. He was having some different issues. And he came to me and he said, Pastor Ryan, uh, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live for God. Every day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my life. And I said, you know what? That's great. That's wonderful. That's a good thing. And that's, that's, that's a good thing to do. And we talked about it for a little bit. Uh, but then partway into the conversation, he said, but I'm going to give God a month. And I thought, whoa. Don't put limits on God. Right? You've heard this before. God is never early. God is never late. God is always on time. But it's not our time. It's his time. And so this level of patience is required. Live for God. Be patient all the way to heaven. Patience, patience until heaven. Okay? And so we see through some prompting by the prophet Haggai that people were willing. They were ready to be together. They were ready to live for God and worship him together. We see Ezra 3, 3, 1, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. They were unified they were consistent. They were patient. And so tonight we're focusing on these things, these ideas, separately as individuals. But we do them in a place where we are together. These are things that we focus on, again, separately. But we need to apply those things while we're together here at Community Baptist Church. With God's leadership in our lives, we can worship Him. Okay, Haggai 1.12, and, the remnant, uh, and all the remnant of the, of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Ver, the, verse 14, and they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So with God on high 
and us following him and living our lives separately, but together, worshiping him together, uh, unified, uh, consistent and being patient. Uh, we can we can worship God together here at Community Baptist. We are better together and we're better together for him.